In this episode number six of Two Twits and Twain, entitled Ring My Bell, all of us recall our first and continuing interaction with electronic communication equipment. Yes, even Mark. Greetings, and welcome back to TT&T for another bracing episode of Wit and Wisdom from our star Mr. Twain and his two adorable sidekicks, the two twits. I'm Clark. And I'm Doc, and we are so thrilled you're back with us once again. Have you heard from Mark, Doctor? Yes, he texted me. Now, how the hell he can do that is beyond me. But then, so is his even being here. And yes, he's on his way. Had a rather thick night last night with uh, Edison and Einstein. Moving kind of slow today. Speaking of technology, sort of, do you remember the first time you saw a computer? <laughs> now, I know you're a little older than I am, so maybe you were actually in the room when the ENIAC computer was introduced to the world in 1946. Very funny. I thought you'd enjoy that trip down memory lane. All twits do. So what's the big idea of bringing up the first computer, aside from that pathetic attempt to embarrass me? Oh, Doc, how could you? You could. <laughs> That's the point. Ha <laughs> ha, you know me well. Now, the real reason I brought this up is to ask you to tell us about the first time you saw a computer or even used a computer. Your experience predates mine, so I'll relate my most memorable moment of early computer days which happened to be a computer unveiling. But first, I want to hear your story about those little miracles in a box. Well, okay. Despite your nasty tone, I acquiesce. As you well know, Clark, I started in the travel industry in an agency right out of college. We were still handwriting airline tickets. I'll never forget my first day on the job. Oh, in order to get my feet wet, so to speak, my supervisor asked me to simply copy an airline ticket to London. Easy enough. Done. Then tried to remember what she said to do next. Oh, that's right. It had something to do with throwing one of the multiple copies away, the one that was unimportant and could be discarded. I tore up the wrong one. The auditor's copy, absolutely essential in keeping track of inventory, reporting, and sales. I truly thought I'd be fired on the spot. But the whole office broke out in laughter. At that point, I absolutely did not mind being the brunt of the joke. In fact, it was kind of fun. Guess I had a humorous gene somewhere. Doc, that has nothing to do with computers. Patience, my dear twit. I'm building up to it. Well, those first... Tedious days were followed by what was the forerunner of the computer as we know it, the teleticketing machine. Now, this was a rather large machine that would print a ticket upon demand. Wow, <laughs> what fun! And yes, that led to an actual computer that was mounted on every desk in the agency. Now, even though I was in charge of negotiating contracts, either with United or American Airlines, I knew very little about the workings of those damn things and decided that I did not want to learn. That was why all the rest of the staff went to school. Well, even though that was the inauspicious beginning to my introduction to the computer, 
The rest of the story occurred at home. Our kids, having just entered high school, started hounding us to buy a computer for them to work on at home in order to stay up with what the other kids were doing. We invested in an Apple IIe desktop computer. After the kids went to bed, I decided to take a look. Became addicted. It was like having another brain. The fun part of all this was that my office staff never found out that Doc could find his way around a computer. <laughs> Little did they know. Now it's your turn, youngster. Well, moving up the many years from that time, incredibly long ago, that coincided with your birth, and the birth of the ENIAC, oh, just a few years after, I was, of course, still contemplating my earthly sojourn, just watching you from wherever Mark has been. But I have a story about one of my first computers at my office in the 1980s. Do you mind boring us with it, or is it too much trouble? Oh, no, I'm glad you asked. And no trouble to boot. Or is that a reboot? Anyway, it was a moment from the 80s. My office was abuzz with what was about to happen. To say their interest was piqued would be an understatement. Sitting there on Teresa's desk was a box of some sort, covered with a blanket. Eager eyes inspected it, and a brave few even sallied forth to try to get a closer look. But I quickly moved to shoo-shoo them away. I can reconstruct the scene for you now. It went something like this. Well, we were in the office one day. Attention, everybody. Attention. Gather round. Gather round this desk. We have something special. You know, computers have become pretty important for us, and you all have those beautiful new sets of, well, 24 megabytes. And today we're going to unveil something that I didn't know if I'd ever see. We're going to unveil our brand new accounting computer. Yes, I know. I know. It's exciting. But here, this is what I'm going to tell you. First of all, this computer has double the memory of any of the computers that you have. That's right. Double 48 meg. Now, hold the applause. <laughs> anyway, this is um, a real milestone for us because we can put all kinds of information in here that we never thought we could before. And it's really going to streamline our operation. So, you know, when you get home tonight, you're having a cocktail with your buddies or your friends at the bar, you can start bragging. Your office has 48 bag. Match that. And there you have it. Now, Dare we put it to a vote as to which historic episode was most fascinating, interesting, lovable? In my heart, I know who would win. I don't think that would be fair to you, twit number two. Let's face it, it would be like men against boys. Uh, that last bit is true. I am much younger. Ah, uh, youth, where art thy manners? Well, Doc, what is it? Do you accept the challenge? Well, I... I'll get it. I guess I sort of have to. Saved by the bell. Mark, welcome. Uh, how'd you know I was here? I didn't even knock. We heard the bell. The what? You rang the bell. I didn't see any bell. You fellas hearing things? Well, yes, the doorbell. Sure as anything, there ain't any bell on that door. Hey, I think I can explain. Great to see you, as always, by the way. While you were enjoying bridge up there, or maybe down there in the great beyond, someone down here 
came up with an invention that tells folks when someone is at the door. It's a button, usually, and we call it a doorbell. You must have pushed it by accident. Doc, can you show our distinguished guest that little gadget? Okay, okay, Mark. You got the hang of it. Well, isn't that something? I'm beginning to like this century. Now, speaking of bells, my friend Al, that's Alexander Graham Bell, has something you twits have never seen. It's called a telephone. I was quite interested. Now, about the end of the year, or possibly beginning of 1876, I I put up a telephone wire from my house down to the current office. The only telephone wire in town, and the first one that was ever used in a private house in the world. Now, the young agent in the office couldn't sell me any stock, but he sold a few halfles of it to an old dry goods clerk in Hartford for $5,000. That was that clerk's whole fortune. He had been half a lifetime saving it. It is strange how foolish people can be and what ruinous risks they can take. Well, we sailed for Europe on the 10th of April, 1878. We were gone 14 months, and when we got back, one of the first things we saw was that clerk driving around in a sumptuous barouche with liveried servants all over it, and his telephone stock was emptying greenbacks into his premises at such a rate that he had to handle them with a shovel. It is strange the way the ignorant and inexperienced so often and so undeservedly succeed when the informed and the experienced fail. Mark, don't feel bad, even though you should. We all make questionable investments. And hopefully, the good ones outnumber the bad ones. Now, we have these phones all over. Everybody's got one. I bet Doc has one right there. Well, I'll be. They sure don't look like the ones Al was bragging about. Maybe I should have invested. He tried to get me to... Well, well I declined. I don't think I want to talk about it. But, Mark, I have a question. The last time you were here, you told us how you can email us. How the heck do you do it? We can't figure that one out. You must be a couple of twits to think I don't know a blasted thing about those computers. We email all the time where I come from. Well, well George was the one who gave me your email address. You know, there are times I just enjoy playing dumb. Keeps things interesting around here. Not that you're not interesting. Just covering my butt. Well, I think Doc and I should play dumb as well. Oh, wait. I think twits already carry that baggage. I suggest we don't go there. Instead, let's dive into our mailbag to see who the contest winner is. Remember, this is for the best, most original meaning of the expression, goody two-shoes. Oh, and Mark... Thanks for disqualifying yourself after we discovered that submission by <clears throat> Samuel Clemens. That was magnanimous and avoids the perception of conflict of interest. Not that you would ever do that. Okay, Doc. 
Who wins that remarkable mug? Yeah, the one without my picture on it. Hey, not our problem. You're just not visible sometimes. You need to help us figure that out. When I was living here on Earth, I believe that a photograph is a most important document, and there is nothing more damning to go down to posterity than a silly, foolish smile caught and fixed forever. Maybe it's a blessing that your cameras don't work. Stop stalling. Let's get on with the drawing. Mark, will you do the honors? Yes, and the fortuitous winner is... Uh... Lynn Wells in San Diego, California. Congratulations. That mug of incalculable value will be sent out shortly. Enjoy our mugs. On your mug. Oh, here's what she said. It's hard to know the true origin, but there is a record of Goody Two-Shoes being written in the late 17th century as part of a book called Voyage to Ireland in Burlesque, a satirical comment about a complaining little girl. But that may have not been the first usage. Hope that helps. Well, Ms. Wells, that is the best answer we received. So you are declared Twitdom sinner, uh, winner, and we will happily supply you with our famous mug that is guaranteed to bring you years of delight each morning as you gaze fondly upon those two lovable twits. As they gaze as fondly back at you. And now it's time to call it the end of another episode. There are times I really don't want to stop having too damn much fun. Let's not stop having fun. You all at home just continue to your heart's content. Never stop. Remember, humor is mankind's greatest blessing. Good one, Mark. I'll second that. And as a reminder, we'd love to hear from you at contact at twotwitsandtwain.com. That's T-W-O, not the number two. Please sign up on our website at twotwitsandtwain.com to be added to our list of followers and never miss an announcement. And most importantly, don't forget to tell your friends about us. Now to follow or review each episode in written format, check out our website under the Info tab appearing next to each podcast. You can also access the other websites mentioned during the podcast. Well said, Doc. So without further ado, I'm Clark. And I'm Doc. Until next time, now make sure you stay connected with your imagination from Two Twits and Twain. Feet singing do a diddy diddy dum diddy do. She looked good, looked good. She looked fine, looked fine. She looked good, she looked fine. And I nearly lost my mind singing do a diddy diddy dum diddy do. We're singing 